You're listening to the Blender Institute podcast, brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your left ego getting dry and inflated? Remember to check for lumps daily at the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. And here are your Blenderheads. All right. Hello and welcome everybody to our Blender Institute podcast. Today with us, we have Andy. Hello. And Pablo. Hello. Sarah. And this is Francesco. Yalti is on holidays, but uh, you heard his voice in the intro, so he keeps us company anyway. Today, we are doing the Blender Institute podcast uh, one day earlier than usual, because a couple of us are leaving earlier for holidays as well. So in order to keep our number a little bit up and keep the discussion going, we decided to do it a bit earlier. Today, we are going to talk about uh, the release of our Coming Anders trailer that happened exactly, almost exactly one uh, week ago. And it seems to be going pretty well. Then uh, uh, a little update about the texture library and the character library. And then we are going to go and dive straight into the questions that we got on the Blender Cloud. So, Pablo, how's the uh, Coming Anders trailer going? 20,000 views. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Um, on YouTube or combined with on the... YouTube on Facebook it has around nine thousand or so, mm -hmm. um, which I, we posted it there because there is this article saying uh, yeah Facebook is evil and they are giving more priority to the uh, their own videos instead of so if post a, a link to YouTube and a link to to Facebook they say they favorite those so why not and their player kind of sucks but I think they made it better some uh, weeks ago okay. Um, but overall, the trailer is great. Uh, people are liking it. A uh, bunch of thumbs up. Yeah. Do we um, still have zero thumbs down or do we got one finally? No, not one yet. Wow. But last week, we were careful. Like, okay, guys, don't go and click <laughs> thumbs down. <laughs> but no, still like 800. I've never seen uh, so many likes and all these likes. So that's good. And people are sharing it and uh, they seem to like it. They say, oh, that's my favorite project. And uh, um, they they like the characters, which they're new, so we were kind of scared about that. If people like the new characters, and they do, I think everything is going well. Awesome, that's great. And uh, well, regarding the texture library, I have just a small update, which is Andy yesterday finished. Hello. Updating and uploading everything, right? Is yeah, that right? everything is there. Uh, we have about roughly 500 textures. And uh, of course, when they're grouped uh, into... Uh, when they're grouped into... Uh, you know, into groups which have color, normal map, and specular maps, that's going to be, uh, of course, obviously less. But uh, still, in total, there's about 500 textures yeah. right now. Cool. It's not published yet. No, it's not because published Because you say yet. it's there, but it's it's yeah. there for like, it's online, hidden. Hopefully when you yes. hear this, the texture library will be there. What? Yeah. We are very confident that today we will release the texture wow. library. Yeah. Okay. And today together with it, probably if we manage to get that to work, we will also make the character library go live with the four or five characters already in we will see how that goes, but it's more or less the same system. So if we manage to make one work in production, fine, then everything should be should be going there. Let's try to keep our promise. And uh, I know regarding the character library that Sarah was working on something. And uh, how is the situation there? Well, for now, we have six. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So <coughs> it's taking longer than I thought for the Cosmos Landromat because I realized uh, opening the rig and doing the poses for the banners that uh, some parts weren't working. And I was like, oh no. So I had to come back and do some stuff all over again. But uh, yeah, there is six characters that are ready. Mm-hmm. and. Um, so they are fully poseable, fully, fully animatable. Every, yeah, fully poseable, animatable, renderable. So we should include blend rig. Are you doing it? Like including the I am including blend rig. Yes, I uh, The version from SVN. Yes. Yeah. Yes, blend rig is included uh in the zip files when needed. Yeah, because we got some people on the blog saying that uh, oh, Victor doesn't work with this blend rig with the latest one that it's on the on the cloud. Yeah, because curr- yeah. But but currently there there should be a, a in the Cosmos laundromat character files there should be uh, a blend rig with that works with the current version and it has a note saying that you need to enable it and you need to install it uh, before you run the characters cool. so i think that uh, we just have to bring everything over to the character to library, the character library yeah. first yeah sure yeah but yeah so and there will be more in the coming well now today i'm leaving to holidays but when i come back i continue so great looking forward awesome yeah, and I mean the the idea with the textures and the character library is that it's an ongoing project, right? We're gonna yeah. be uh, we're gonna keep adding textures and characters because uh, I mean the Blender Institute productions are still underway. So every time we make a new character, we're gonna make sure that it uh, it's ready to use, and then we're gonna put it online, and then it's going to be in one place uh, for easily accessible. So uh, you don't have to search through uh, five open projects and see what fits for your needs. You can just grab a character and uh, animate it or grab a texture and use it in your own projects. And uh, they're going to be uh, released. Uh, the, tech, the characters, I think, are going to be CC BY still. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And uh, the textures are going to be public domain or CC0. We yeah. have to clear that yeah. so far. Yeah, a couple of final emails have to be sent just to check with the authors of the textures to make sure that everybody agrees on the licensing, but we try to make it really as permissive as possible. And in theory, this is even is even better than, you know, royalty-free textures that you normally find around because with CC0 or public domain, you're really free to do what you want with it. So you can really make your own projects, distribute your own textures and things like that. So we are very happy that we try to provide this content with this level of license. Yeah, and just to be clear, everything that we publish is uh, made here in-house from scratch. So uh, we don't use anything, like we don't use any external resources like uh, from other texturing sites. Uh, we go out there and uh, <laughs> we take those pictures. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. make them from scratch in yeah. the import or whatever, but yeah. And the characters are all from our from our own designs and everything is made in here, in this building. Mm, yes. Um, like There were characters for Sinter, for example, that were not made here, but we are not going to include those. Right, uh, yeah. Like the extras. We're going to include like the main characters and uh, like all the people Pani stuff. Uh, maybe it's cool to ask people, what, what do they think? Is it useful? Like just to... Because uh, it is an ongoing project, so whenever there is downtime, you can just go to a, an open movie, like... I can grab one of the characters from your Frankie and then bring it into a, a newer version. 
Is that even fun? Like people want yeah, that? Yeah, that's also the questions I have. Like, uh, would what would uh, people do with those characters? Is is this something they would use like more for exercising, or would they uh, actually use use, use it for um, for project, actual project? Yeah, like in the first Venom's Lab, I made like ten characters, actually ten characters, and I could bring those whenever there's a free time. Actually, next week. Um, here at the institute, it's going to be super quiet. And Tom said that the the ones that we're staying here, that maybe we could pick a fun project to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, making caminantes is super fun, but um, <laughs> something like say that, yeah. exactly <laughs> out of the uh, out of the like your regular schedule, just spend a day or two in making content for the Blender Cloud for the Blender Cloud subscribers. And maybe that's one good thing, a fun thing to do, to grab some of the old characters and bring it up to a newer Blender version. So is that even fun? Now now we ask you. Yeah. What is guys. your favorite character? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which one would you like to see? Yes, from the open movie projects or, or the the Blender open movie workshops. Venom's Lab 1, 2, Critter Factory 1, 2. Yeah. Man Candy. Man Candy, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, let us know yeah. in the comments below. Great. Yeah. Cool. I think we can move on and uh, have a look at the questions we got. We got a few questions, and uh, let's let's see what they are. Um, uh, yeah, start there is, with yours. There is one question uh, from the previous week. We are getting there. There, uh, Forgotten Fantasy says, "Hi, this is Antonio Book, Butch." I wanted to ask you about your backgrounds too, because that's what we talked about in the previous episode. If you didn't listen to it, go. Um, no, no, go now. Just stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, so I wanted to ask you about your backgrounds, but I also wanted to know how and when do you join the Blender Institute? Uh, I'm really enjoying this podcast. It makes baking more interesting. Uh, <laughs> what what kind of baking? Like Blender baking or <laughs> no? Uh, yeah. So how and when did you join? Blender Institute. Pablo. Uh, okay, myself. Yeah. Well, I joined for uh, Yo Frankie in 2008 for the first time, but it was always... Uh, it's like the rest of the open movie projects. You start for... You come for like one project. They recruit people online. They, that's how they used to do for Bunny and Sintel. Uh, for Yo Frankie... They were, the project was already going on, so uh, I was called in the middle of the project. I was working in a movie in Argentina. So that's how I joined the first time. And then I made a few other uh, training DVDs. And for Sintel, I was around around the neighborhood. The <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that's how I, I, I came. And now for like being stable here, I don't know. I think it just happened. They don't. They, they can't get rid of me. <laughs> Sleeping in the corner. Ah well. I, I mean, you were uh, pretty active with all the the web development in Blender.org and uh, the the project side as well, right? Projects at Blender.org. Um, and, no, uh, not that one. But a new yeah, one, like right? the, the when the first time I came, I, I stayed in Europe, and then I would stay around the Blender Institute. Just whenever there was downtime of or projects or something, and then I helped with the eShop uh, and then some other projects too for like training and stuff. Um, so I guess I don't know. I just work my way <laughs> around <laughs> to to be around here. Andy, why me? Okay, 
because I'm the most embarrassing because I've always been here. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I started with Elephant Stream. Uh, that was also here in Amsterdam um, uh, too many years ago. I don't remember right now. There was um, not even a Blender Institute. Like there that. was no Blender Institute. So uh, when, when Ton was talking about bringing, uh, starting a, a non-temporary space uh, um, for Blender projects, for uh, keeping developers and artists together under one roof, um, yeah, he asked me to uh, to hop on board with Big Buck Bunny and uh, we, uh, yeah, we kind of... Uh, built this place i laid in the carpet <laughs> we sanded the floor and, yeah. no i didn't do the sanding oh, okay yeah but the carpet is the carpet is here and i painted the walls so yeah um started with the beginning i'm still here using hmm. blender awesome cool and sarah um me um most it was more recent it was for the gooseberry project and i kind of uh made myself visible at that point because I really, really, really wanted to be part of this project. So when it started, um, yeah, I worked really hard for the teaser part. And um, and then uh, when Ton asked for a storyboard artist, even though I was not a storyboarder, I sent an email, I want to be it, want to be the storyboard. <laughs> 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 and uh, he said yes. And uh, at the first, I had just uh, three months. I never did uh, one bit of storyboard. I, <laughs> 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 I did uh, character oh. design instead. And then, uh, well, apparently they liked me, so I stayed. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, for myself, uh, I I came here for... Tears of Steel. It was uh, also for me a bit unexpected. I applied for, for when there was the the call, and I really didn't know many people working here. I barely knew Andy because I met many people at the Blender conferences in the past, but uh, I really didn't have even the confidence to talk to them that much because we really didn't didn't know each other. So the only one that I really knew a bit was uh, um, it was uh, Sebastian. So I think he maybe vouched for me a little bit. But uh, besides that, yeah, that's uh, that's when I started with Tears of Steel, and then I sticked around, and then we uh, did the. We, and Pablo also was around when we did the second renovation of the Blender Institute, so uh, we also yeah. did our deal of. We did the sanding. Yeah, yes. we did the sanding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, and, I'm, and also yeah, that's uh, that's how I got uh, that's how I got started in the studio. Yeah, with Tears of Steel. Yeah, so it's just a matter of hanging out. Well, also it's like sending portfolio, get in touch with the. Which just put your stuff online, I guess, and um, yeah, be visible and yeah. uh, also be excited about Blender and uh, yeah. get involved with uh, you know with everything with the software. If you cannot program, help uh, finding bugs or make yeah, artwork. Man manual, like everything helps. Yeah, Francesco started also doing the wiki stuff, which is not even related to. Well, it's, it's Blender related, of course, but it's like more on the website part. So, if getting your name everywhere. Uh, it helping <laughs> helping yes. on every side. It also uh, it also helps. Like right now, there's no openings because we can't afford one. But as soon as they are, yeah. of course, you go to the names that pop yeah. out. Yeah, but with Blender, in fact, at least for us, there are a few places where it's really easy to spot people's work. You can really see if somebody yeah. is uh, if somebody is doing something with Blender, and it's really amazing because there is a continuous stream of people using Blender for game, visualization projects, for film. So there is there is a lot going on. So 
it's just a matter of yeah, put keep keep putting your things online and yeah, put like, your face online, yeah. retweet, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, make yourself visible. All right. All right. Okay. So the questions on this blog post. So the first question by Corey L. Um, Hello, I have a few questions. Hopefully that is okay. I was just uh, wondering if there was any meaning to the symbols around the llama, the llama's eyelids. I never noticed them before till I watched the trailer. So ah. that's a question for Pablo. It's a, it, it, it's a cool little detail that uh, not a lot of people notice. Um, so the meaning... Is there a meaning? It's a very deep meaning. With Wisdom. <laughs> is the sun reflected <laughs> in there? Because uh, Koro is orphan, you know. Of, well, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> not so deep. Uh, Koro is orphan, by the way, yes. Um, Koro is a llama, by the way, the Wanako. But no, the, the, the reason for the design in the eyes is I wanted to, uh, to have a contrast between the sharp lines around the, the eyelids and the nose. And I'm doing sign with my hands now, but you can't see it, of course, because you're listening to it. Um, the the sharp line in the in the nose and the, under the eyelids. I wanted to have a contrast um, with uh, those little curls. Also, resembles some of the curls that you see on Caminandes two in one of the fences. Um, I tried to to put that um, in other little places too just to give a bit more uh yeah it's a little motive i've seen you do it also when you when you do concept art like those curly lines they're very decorative and they give a flow to the design and then maybe they don't necessarily come up in the 3d version but you have it in the penguins too maybe somebody didn't yes. see that yet yeah yeah uh, the one of the penguins the father penguin spoiler alert <laughs> um has has those two um, and previous, many of my previous characters have that too. Uh, Fraka, for example, is a, is a bird-looking thing um, that also has that in the in the head because he's bald, but he only has a few hairs. So if the hairs were just pointing up, it wouldn't look uh, as, as it wouldn't complete the shape. So I made them curve just to give sort of volume. Um, so yeah, I use that spirals to like compensate and balance the the shape of characters usually cool cool that's a cool question thank you <laughs> then uh second part of well there is three questions actually sorry it's because it's too high uh second part of the question i know nathan isn't at the Blender Institute anymore, but do you guys know what the use case of that fancy spine rig he makes in the series with Mr. Beppet is? Is that something you guys find would help a lot more with an animation? So, um, I think I can answer that question because I think, and uh, you can uh, correct me in the next questions if I was wrong, if that was uh, the meaning of your question. I guess you meant uh, the the fancy slider of the pivot of the spine rig that he makes where you can really change um, from which place you are rotating the spine and it was uh, it's kind of uh, complex it's uh, uh, to make like to make it work uh, so 
is it uh, useful? For, is it would help a lot more? I wouldn't say that. Like uh, I mean, yes, it's totally useful, but you will not use it all the time. Uh, the 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 pivot uh, of uh, the spine is something you want to change. For example, if you are animating a character that is hanging, for example, uh, from so he suddenly is upside down. Uh, or or that uh, will be grabbed by someone uh, on the stomach or whatever. Mm -hmm. That will change the way a normal spine would be animated because then you need the pivot to be in a certain place. So it habilitates us to do more complex things, but you can survive without it. Yeah, I understand. This is also maybe something you would... I don't know exactly how it works in the rig itself. So probably the fanciest part is that it has a switch like you would have for an IKFK switch, which is usually the complicated thing because normally you can achieve that by setting up the rig right at the beginning of a shot. So if your shot starts with a character hanging, you can just set it up that way and it will be fine. But if you have an action of the character climbing and then hanging, then it becomes really technical, really quick. Yeah. There is like an example also in... Um, the in, in the cloud from Kelty's work on the on the on the news when he's taking the news yeah, off of yeah, yeah. Frank's the amount of switching yeah. and constraint switching is really incredible and it feels natural but there is a lot of work in it. Yeah. So that's the case too with that kind of rig features I guess. In the Blender conference video from that talk uh, it's really recommended so go to the Blender Foundation YouTube channel and look for the for Kelty's talk. Yeah. Oh, was it the pain of animation? Yeah I think yeah, so. Yeah the pain yeah. of animation. But uh, yeah. So I hope that was uh, the answer you were looking for. If not, uh, please uh, just be more specific uh, for the next podcast. Um, the last uh, question of Corey. Before I forget again, will some of the shorts still be in VR like Ton had mentioned at the conference? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everybody sounds very enthusiastic about <laughs> this. Actually, I'm quite surprised. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited how how that's gonna look like. We don't know exactly which part. Like, there is one, no spoiler. There's one part in in the middle that kind of lends itself to be a virtual reality uh, uh, experience. But um, it also depends on on what rendering power we have and uh, how much we can afford to, you know, to render it in in VR because you need to render it at a ridiculous resolution, like yeah. 4K, 8K, something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess without motion blur. So yeah, maybe without that's, motion blur. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we plan on making one shot at least. We have to, and then even more would be nice if yeah. we have the power. Maybe it's super easy and uh, someone... Uh, wants to throw a lot of money at us too yeah or render <laughs> so time we, so we can render yeah render time is the most important thing yeah uh so we can render more in vr that would be great yeah that would be great and the thing that's for next uh after the, once the movie's done yeah. of course but of course uh it also you have once you're ma once you're making something that you intend to uh release in vr you of course you cannot cheat as much as we are used to cheating with films like you have to animate what's behind the camera or uh, out of frame sometimes yeah. and uh, you also have to build the environments for that uh, format so that adds a lot of strain it does but on the other hand uh, it was interesting to to 
hear about this also last week during our weekly meeting. We had a guest and he was asking us how much 2D and how much we, we rely on, on bidimensional compositing to set up the scenes and he, and Andy was uh, was explaining or I think it was Pablo I don't remember showing that we that you guys use a lot of geometry that you really try to build and lay the scene out the way it really is and of course that it, this is possible also because cycles when dealing with large environments for as long as they are outdoor and as long as they are set up properly can handle the amount of geometry and depth of a scene and that also then allows you to to go stereoscopic, for example, with real geometry and get good yeah, results. Stereoscopic is not so much a problem, but uh, we tend to cut a lot of stuff that is out of frame. Mm -hmm. Like I go, sometimes I go specifically into one shot where there is a lot of geometry with a lot of instances, and I um, I go to edit mode and go uh, select everything that's, that is outside the frame and just delete it because sometimes you have to uh, conserve some memory if you already have uh, uh, 4K textures for four different types, and then of those millions of hair strands and that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure, but yeah. At, at least the way that you think of setting up the scene is is that. Yeah, it's very. You, you uh, don't matte paint it. And and we're we're not it there. Even though in some cases it might. <laughs> in yeah, my head. yeah, we are not doing any compositing for this movie anyway, so that's, that's that helps. Yeah, and the dimensions are are mostly accurate in that in the yeah. sense that. The, the distance is always the same like yes. uh, the, yeah the, the relative scale of stuff yeah so we are ready for it and there will be at least one shot but we plan on making more cool. answering the question yeah. thank you I will now uh, read the question of uh, uh, Roman Roman uh, that says uh, the trailer is awesome and I can't wait for the final animation my kids love it too my question, why do you render on CPU instead of GPU? Do you use features not supported by GPU or has it to do with the service provided by RenderStreet? Andy? Um, well, the service provided by RenderStreet is awesome. Um, <laughs> I think they haven't uh, given us any, uh, any GPU units to use so far. But the main reason why we don't use uh, GPU is because we use subsurface scattering. Um, that's uh, a tiny bit for the characters, but mostly for the snow environments. So um, subsurface scattering in GPU currently works if you're using the exper experimental kernel, but it's kind of slow, so there wouldn't be a lot of benefit. And uh, also smoke caches, smoke uh, simulations don't work in GPU. Volumes work, but no smoke. Yeah, that's the main reason. I think also, Pablo, you did the test, right, with GPU recently, or it was just Andy, he did the... I think Andy... Yeah. Yeah. I made a test, okay. yeah, but I wasn't aware. Uh, I think it was still rendering it with CPU, because in the end it took about, about the same amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, CPU is more reliable in that sense, that you can, you know, like, there's farms for that anywhere, and you can, you know, you're going to have the same exact result. You can go crazy with memory also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's more reliable. Mostly the memory we have, uh, we use is within the bounds of what could be possible with GPU. So if someone yeah. wants to take the files and try them out on GPU, uh, maybe optimize them, uh, find a different solution for subsurface scattering. That's uh, totally awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. 
I think we are within four gigs of uh, RAM. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Of memory when when rendering any shot. So go to the cloud. Go to Caminandes. There's a trailer folder, scene data, and there's a zip file for every shot in the movie. So, yeah, try them out. Yeah, that makes it also for great benchmark files because currently our latest benchmark is still the Cosmos Laundromat scene. And that one I remember has also been imported to GPU. I think Mike Pan went in, downrest a lot of textures and wow. made it fit into a GPU. And that is very interesting for, for testing for testing systems to, to give them a really heavy scene that doesn't render in two minutes, but it takes more like half an hour or so. That really gives you a better overview and better idea of how your CPU performs. So those those things that we work on and I know the guys have been working hard to pack those scenes so that you can open them, press F12, and they actually will start rendering. So that's really cool. True, yeah. Yeah. Except so. for the smoke caches. They're, <laughs> they're, they're gigantic. So yeah. we didn't pack those. But you could go in and uh, recalculate the smoke, yeah. for example. Would that work automatically, or do you actually have to do that beforehand? Uh, you have to set up some, like, you have to free the cache that is in there currently. I couldn't do that because that would have deleted all the caches from my hard disk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can free the cache, uh, recalculate the uh, simulation, and then go. I'll just wait a little bit. Free the cash. <laughs> Free the cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a side joke. Yeah. Okay. okay. More questions? Uh, yes. Last question. Well, compo uh, composed question by Luciano. Hey, guys. Really fantastic job. Love the animation, the look, the story, everything. I got a question. How did you guys do the mouth animation with the noise modifier? Is it a part of the rig because I presume you have linked characters so it would be possible to add a modifier just in the animation scene yes you can add a modifier just in the animation scene even uh, if the rig is linked so there is no special manipulation for that you just do it that's um, yeah that's yeah. what you did in your that's shot what right I did. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, this question comes from the weekly, uh, for what you explain in the weekly video. If you haven't seen it, it's on the of the on the Caminandes YouTube and in the cloud. Yeah, yep. and, and and generally we uh, always we still use the proxy system, so we link in the group of the character and then make the armature a proxy. I think that's also part of the question. If we generally use uh, link in the the armatures. Uh, like he suppose yeah. we are using characters linked, so yeah, that is a good supposition. Correct, yeah. yes. Except when we need yeah. to do yeah, something. <laughs> sometimes we need to do crazy things, uh, and then we just make the character local or append him yeah. bit by bit, which is a bit painful. So I'm really excited for 2.8 and the <laughs> asset management system for that. Yay! Yeah. But when you take uh, the animation from my anime file to yeah. your lighting file, does it take the modifiers with it? Um, or do you have to do something? I probably, uh, in that case, I have to uh, ask you <laughs> what you did and then recreate that. Or simply start from the anime file and then keep all the uh, uh, the changes consistent. Oh, okay. Because yeah. for that shot, there is uh, modifiers everywhere. Like yeah. on Oti, on Koro, on the cart. No on light <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, there is no lighting file for that one. So, yeah, so I think we're going to get your animation file and start from there. Exactly. Because this is also the typical example, you know, when people wonder about pipeline and scripts and things like that. This is the typical example where you would have 
to write a script, if you wouldn't be, you, you would have the lighting file already set up and you want to bring in the character with a lot of modifiers attached to it. So you would simply write a script that checks the rig, checks for modifiers applied to every bone and brings them in and sets them well, up automatically. Ideally, you would use caches. Yeah, sure. You would yeah, cache yeah. the whole mesh, but yeah. Yes, you, you would, can, you would so. do that, but I can, I'm just thinking like this is an example of how you could solve problems with scripting because I think we often talk about pipeline, we often talk about custom scripts and things like that, and we never really make an examples. And also in the past, I was always curious of, oh, how does what, what is this pipeline thing? What are those script things that you cannot do with Blender itself, but it, you actually need a script for? So I think that's an example. But of course, there is always a more practical, there are always more practical ways to solve things as well. So it was just a, a side note. Cool. Um, the second question is, um, if it isn't in, then how you update changes to a rig in multiple scenes? Yeah, if the, if the rig is not linked, how do we update? The rig is not linked? Yeah, like if, if he's asking if the rig is not linked, then how do you update changes to a rig in multiple scenes? So the answer is, well, it's linked, so we don't have that problem. And yeah. when we unlink it, it's at the very, very end. Yeah. Yeah, if, if there is a difference in the rig, like a bound change or something, then you sometimes need to re-proxy that. So you just remove the, the armature uh, control LP to make a proxy and then link the action again. Yeah, and just make sure you don't lose your action by assigning a fake user uh, yeah. to the action and so that you can eliminate the rig and uh, without losing uh, the animation. Or basically. in the case, yeah, or when we... Uh, uh, append the characters, then you of course have to recreate that part of the file again. Which yeah. uh, is just work. Yeah, yeah. this is another <laughs> case where a, re where a script would help yeah. or yeah. a good asset management software too. Yeah. Yep. And last part of the question the ice specular, how did you guys make it? It looks to be very controllable. Yes, it's Pablo. a mesh. It's a, it's a mesh, <laughs> there's not a lot to it. Uh, it's a mesh with a little um, specular um, ramp, like a color ramp in the, in the nodes editor um, that is mixed with transparency. So you only see that little white thing uh, somewhere in the eye and then that's patented or it has a copy rotation, I think, to, the, to one of the bones. So when you rotate the eye, it follows the eye. But we need to add, like for the trailer, we, I think there were a few shots where you could see it moving. And that's not supposed to move. It's supposed to be a reflection of a real light, like the sun, for example. So, and the sun doesn't move so much. <laughs> it moves, but very slowly. Or no, actually, we move around it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, in the, in the trailer, you can see that, the, that little mistake. And uh, the solution for that would be to disable the copy rotation so it follows the location of the uh, of the eye so if the character moves it follows but it doesn't rotate with when when following the actually eye target so that's something we need to fix but yeah it's uh, it's just geometry uh you can just go to the <laughs> to the cloud and get the blend files and try it for yourself <laughs> and those were the questions well that was great i think uh, it was very interesting thanks a lot for asking us all these questions, we really have a good time answering them, as you can tell. It's what we spend most of the time doing, and yeah. I think it, it really helps to start conversations. and uh, Keep yeah. them coming. Icebreaker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
And uh, I think this is it for this episode. I don't know how long, how much time. Yeah, it's almost one hour. Yeah. Almost one hour? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Without a review. I would yeah. watch a Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but, but... Too early. Pablo is now an avid Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> yes. We converted him. I haven't seen Star Wars before, so we went to the cinema on Thursday. Was yes. It? Thursday? Yeah. So Wednesday night, after releasing the movie, like the longest day ever, <laughs> after releasing the trailer, um, we just... We took, we we took a couch, we put Pablo on it in front of <laughs> our big TV. We all gathered around and we watched the original trilogy. Actually, we watched the two, two films, them. yeah, uh, episode uh, four we and hope. episode five. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, a few days later, we actually watched episode six. And I was glad we watched it afterwards because it would have made us go to bed really late and it wouldn't yeah. have been that helpful for the movie but actually watching the first two i think it was good for yeah, you it's amazing yeah. it's amazing blown away and then the next day we went and saw episode <laughs> the new one 40 years later <laughs> yes and then then the day after we saw six and my expectations were lower for six because everybody oh yeah but a lot of things happened there yeah could be half as long but <laughs> yeah exactly but a lot of things happen it's amazing so so yeah, I spent my weekend looking and <laughs> watching <laughs> more Star Wars stuff and making off and the Family Guy specials, all three of them. Now you understand oh, wow. all the references. Yeah, yeah. yes, that, that was my weekend. Uh, but yeah, I think it's too much. I don't know, it feels like is it too late to become a Star Wars? Uh, you know? It's never, never too, too late. late. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but that was good. That was good. It's a good way to start my 29 years old. So if you haven't watched The Last Hours, go watch it. Yes. Nobody totally was disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, thanks a lot for joining us. Yep. And you. Uh, see you the next time. Yeah. See, see you, you next week. next time. Yeah. Happy oh. holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, next week, right? Next week is going to be the coziest podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it's only Andy and uh, it's only us. No, it's only you. You're not going to be holidays, here. holidays, yeah. Okay, so that will be uh, one <laughs> fun. Uh, uh, you better like this voice because you're going to hear it for an hour. It's going to be great. Yes. Awesome. All right. Then thank you and bye-bye. Bye-bye. We leave you with uh, Hjaldi Hjalmarsson. Yes. Ooh. You've been listening to the Blender Institute podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Tired of pricey paint and perpetual paper cuts? Charge yourself with electrified art on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org.